welcome guys to another episode of the Christian Buddy Show. Can we can we get an applause here? Yeah, what is going on? All right. Glad to have my guest in the mix now at the moment. We have Alexandra and the show is entitled Entrepreneurship and Soul Medicine. So we've got a lot to unpack here. We've got a lot of to unpack here. And first and foremostly, your 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 title, your social media titles go by the title of Nomad. And maybe you can explain that to the audience. What what exactly is a nomad? So there. So hi. Um, thank you Hello. for having me. By the way. Um, so there's a couple of different definitions of nomad, and actually one of my companies is named Nomad as well, Nomadic Planning. Um, and I got a bit of like recommendations to not name it that way because nomads basically travel from place to place and live off of like the land until they can't anymore, and then they migrate again. Um, so it's seen as kind of something that's uh, unstable or not steady. It's not people who right. root down. Yet for me, I have lived a nomadic lifestyle. I'm not a glamorous nom nomadic lifestyle. Um, a lot of people are like, yeah, I went to Greece and Italy and these kind of things. I'm more a mo nomad and travel within like a city a lot and discover. Right. Um, but a lot of my you know, expertise and work I gathered from my nomadic ways, which is why I wanted to kind of pay honor to that. And you know, it's part of who I am. You know, I was talking to another nomad recently and we're like, yeah, as soon as you get like really comfortable, you feel that like need to leave, right? When things become too familiar, you're like, oh no, I need to leave, travel somewhere else, find you know, new challenges, new people. I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty envious of you. Because it's it sounds like a, a glamorous lifestyle. I'm sure you're kind of downplaying a little bit, but uh, you know, just traveling from country to country and uh, you you and how are you generating income? Uh, I, I need to ask this question. Um, so currently, like savings um, before it was clients, but I've been working in the hospitality industry for 15 years. And with the infamous COVID, that industry basically from night to day just completely stopped. So it was kind of like, okay, let's see what we can do. And I started developing my app, but it still hasn't launched yet. And so we're not getting revenue from there. So it's just being more mindful with the savings that I have. <laughs> and living in a, in, a, in a country that is more affordable definitely helps right now. Absolutely. And speaking of apps, you're developing one. Okay. And... How did that, I'd love to hear the story behind that. How did you, how did you end up developing your own app? That, um, so those who know me know that I would never, and I always ran away from tech and I was like, I would never develop an app, right? Um, but with COVID, I was traveling in Bali and, you know, COVID happened and, you know, all my clients either canceled their contracts or put them on hold. Um, and I was kind of already doing the research for basically the foundation of the app, but more so for a blog and a personal usage. Um, and it's a directory of hotels so that event planners like myself that plan retreats and incentive trips can have all the information they need. So I was already doing site visits, with the, which I love to do. And then in a conversation with another digital nomad, they were like, you know, you can turn that into an app like really easy through like no code. I was like, oh, let's let's talk about this a little bit more. And so then I did an MVP, which is the minimum viable product. Um, beta tested it, got good feedback, and then moved to another no-code um, version that we're about to launch now that has just a little bit more of what we need of the, you know, add-ons and functionalities that really need to happen to get it a, a to where it needs to be to launch. And sorry, um, and so, sorry to intercept there. What and and when you say no code, it, it's it's a it's a online service, is it? You just put in your your details that you'd like, and they and they spit out the program for you, or how, how does it work? The no code. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, no code is up and coming. It has been around for about twelve years. The program I am using has been around for about twelve years. Um, so basically, you don't have to learn like JavaScript or the language of coding, and it's more drag and drop. So it's not as easy as like I put things in it, it spits it out. Um, there's definitely a learning curve. It took me about six months to be able to have a basic understanding of it. But um, I'm trying to think of what it would be a good comparison. Um, kind of like, yeah, see there, no code. So the one that I use is Bubble currently. And basically what you do is you know, you can see kind of like building a form, like a form builder or Trello or something like that, if you can imagine that. 
um, and you set it up in the front end and then you have to do the back end and the data storage and everything else. Once you learn how to learn uh, how to work in no code, they say it's an easier transition to learning JavaScript and how to develop and how to actually write code, but we're not writing the code, right? Like, you know, the input boxes are already set up and then it's easier to pull the data from there and then store it a certain way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's no code. Cool. Uh, yeah, uh, the reason I'm so interested in this is because uh, like my background's in IT. Uh, I studied at, at university and yeah, we were always mucking around with code. We were always developing applications and all these things and uh, yeah, the streamlining of, of code and, and the accessibility of it now is is fantastic because yeah, now anyone, any any person can uh, develop without having to have this experience, this knowledge. So I think it's a very, fa it's, a, it's an awesome thing. It's a great thing. And, but I think the difficult part is how do you make money from it? Like, how do you generate, that's, that's the most, like, I think, yeah, I, I mean, what, what's been your marketing strategy and in regarding to this app? So currently we're still in um, beta phase, like right. doing a trial um, and getting like testers and demo testers to give us our feedback to see if they would pay. We are doing something quite unique uh, for the industry. We're flipping the script and we're charging planners versus the hotels. Usually the hotels foot the bill for this type of thing. Yeah, buddy. To be listed or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and so we're really, I know there's gonna be a learning process and a re-education process, right? So we're, you know, I can have more information once we launch to see like effectively, you know, I have these prediction numbers and like our board has talked about it. Like we assume this is going to happen, but things always change, right? And like what you predict and what you think is gonna happen, usually it's not what happens <laughs> in entrepreneurship or in tech. Yeah, what's that picture? It's like, I saw this this meme on the internet. It's like, uh, it's like a picture of a mountain and you're trying to climb this mountain and it looks easy, but it ends up being the toughest challenge of your life. So that's entrepreneurship in a nutshell almost. So Definitely. This venture yeah. has made me grow exponentially as an entrepreneur more than my other ventures, like for sure, especially being outside of my comfort zone of hospitality and moving into tech and having to learn the language and timelines and all of this kind of stuff. It's definitely been a challenge, but yeah. there's days where I might have like closed my computer and had a couple of tears, but it's worth it in the end and it's fun because now I can say, you know, very proud of myself that I have developed an app, right? Like it's not, I didn't code the yeah, whole thing, but I still developed it. And from start to finish, I was there, so. Yeah, I wish the absolute best for you on that endeavor. Yeah. And what, what about regarding a, a typical nine to five workplace, what's your reaction with having a boss or, or, or having to follow um, a set of rules? How do you go with that? Um, not well, which is why I've been an entrepreneur for like 12 years. <laughs> um, what's, what's, the, what's the thing that I guess, yeah, what, why do you, uh, would, you uh, would you say that you hate it or would you say, uh, what, what's the word that you would use? Like what, uh, you know, the typical nine to five. I mean, because I don't like it. I hate it. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's a very strong word. I wouldn't say I hate it. I don't hate a lot of things. Um, yeah. But, you know, and also in entrepreneurship, it kind of flips, right? So when you have clients, they become your bosses, right? So it's yeah. more so like you still have to manage those expectations and requirements and get the job done within a timeline. So it's just kind of shift. Like you can say no to clients, right? Like I do not let bad clients hire me. I know what they look like now. I know what how they speak where I'm like, no, I, I could not have money in my bank, but it's a bad client. I'm not going to take it because it's just going to cost me more in the long run. So I think there's more freedom in entrepreneurship to do that, but we still have to be accountable and be responsible with what we're doing in order to succeed. I, you know, I shifted into entrepreneurship when one of my really good friends passed away and I realized that I was a wedding planner and I was doing like 12 to 16 hour days sometimes in high season. And I had not seen a sunset in like months. I had not gone in the ocean in months and I had moved to be closer to the ocean to, you know, have time in the ocean to see sunsets, to be social. Um, and I did, I just told my boss, I was like, I have not done this in a while and tomorrow is not promised. And now we know that. And so it's mm -hmm. not worth it for me to work 16 hours so you can go surf because 
he owned the thing, right? So it's like, yeah, you can have other people working for you, but I was working towards his dream. And so it was kind of like, I had to have the accountability with myself of if I actually have dreams, I need to quit this and then really buckle down and start working towards mine. Yeah, all respect to that. And yeah, you kind of touched on a bit of a, a key point there, the word freedom. And I think I think that's the most attractive thing about being becoming an entrepreneur is that is that freedom. Uh, but it's almost it's almost like it's a double edged sword because you have to produce. You have to produce something. You have there needs to be something tangible at the end of it. Um, but yeah, at the same time, you don't need to listen to anybody really. Because yeah, it's like it's a double. I think it's a double-edged sword, but it's uh, and it's never like freedom of time. So many people are like, I'm going to become an entrepreneur to have more time, and it's like no, because you're doing the marketing, you're doing the sales, you're doing the contracts, you're doing the billing, and then on top of that, you're doing the work, right? Like I actually work really, really well when systems are set up. So I took about a year and a half. I was a consultant, and actually, they would hire me to come in and optimize systems and processes for them. So it was really easy for me because it was already set up, right? Like I didn't have to deal with the billing and the contracts and all of this kind of stuff. I would go look at their process and be like, look, you can be more efficient here. You can save money here and you could do this here. Um, so I love having a setup system and framework to work within because I know now that it makes my job easier. And I've acknowledged that that's not my zone of genius. My zone of genius yeah. is planning. My zone of genius is creating. Um, my sort of genius is socializing, right? And so also as an entrepreneur, we have to kind of make amends with that. And our culture now especially is all about grind and hustle and all those kind of things. I am not about that. Um, and we have to realize that we can't do it all, right? So it's like you have to hire wisely and you have to outsource what you can't do. And if you can't do it and it's not your zone of genius, that's perfectly fine because you're a badass rock star. I don't know if I can say that. Um, somewhere else, right? So then say whatever you like to. That's all good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I've been doing a bit of digging around on the internet, and apparently you're a lover of Excel, Excel spreadsheets. I, am. I know That'd it's such a, a bit of a bland. It's a bit of a bland topic, but uh, yeah, I think uh, there's something there's something amazing about a well-designed Excel <laughs> spreadsheet. You know, it takes time, takes effort. Doesn't They're come naturally. So beautiful. You know? Yes. Yes. I remember <laughs> one of my first uh, PAs, she, I was like asking her for something. And I was like, and if you could just gather all that data and put it, and she's like, I know. And they're going to Excel. I already did. And it's color coded. I'm like, oh my God, I love you so much. That's, that's music to my ear. Like, that's my love language, Excels. <laughs> okay. So, okay, I'll, I'm just curious, just out of curiosity, so what, what are the things that you're designing in Excel? Is it uh, like profit and loss statements or uh, is it something creative or, yeah, what, what, what's, what's the go there? A little bit of everything. I think I just like the ease of organization in Excel. You can organize mm. it a bunch of different ways um, and have control over data. So I'm very left-brained. I have to work with a lot of data and a lot of numbers. So... Um, you know, the budget sheets are amazing in Excel. Timelines, I do in Excel. You know, profit and loss statements and all of that I do, but like the day-to-day, -day, it's mainly that. Like, you know, sourcing, for example, for our marketing campaign, it's finding associations, finding contacts. And so in an Excel, you can organize it so nicely. Um, and then, you know, it's compatible with almost everything, right? You can upload it, download it, you know, only take these certain cells. So it just really helps to keep everything like streamlined, pretty and organized. I know that you don't think pretty when you think Excel, but leave it to me. I'll, I'll make it pretty. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. All right. And maybe you can educate me on this, but uh, sustainability, uh, um, is that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is this maintaining the earth or is that is that a, a simple, <laughs> way to, simple way to put it or Along those lines, um, yeah. so the, the bare definition of sustainability is essentially having everyone thrive, all systems thriving, right? So we're talking about animals, organisms, trees, all of this, and humans as well. So that's why I love it because it's not about um, I have to suffer in order for this to be better. 
right? A lot of different things like eco organic, like all of those are more like I have to chastise myself in order for this to survive, right? Thri uh, sustainability is about all systems thriving. And it's mainly about not depleting a resource or space of the ability to regenerate, right? So it's not going in and just like completely logging and tearing down the forest. It's like you can take trees from the forest, but you do it in a way where it can regenerate itself. Right. So it's more like having respect and keeping balance with things. Mm. So that's, you know, Absolutely. there's like six different sustainability factors we categorize in our app, but mainly there's four, which is cultural sustainability, social sustainability, economical sustainability and environmental. Right. So everybody's big on environmental and eco and all of this kind of stuff. But then social is also making sure that people have education, have support, have health care um, and culture is making sure that these cultural heritage things and traditions and ceremonies and things are passed down and really kept sacred and protected languages go in that as well. Okay, cool. We're going to um, flip the script a little bit here and uh, well, we've got the bit of, bit of music playing in the background and uh, I've got, we've got, we've got an interesting picture here from your Instagram. We're going to bring this up for the audience at home, playing at home. What's, what, what is going to happen here? We don't know what's going to happen, but three, two, one. Let's, uh, maybe you can give us a little bit more context on this. Oh, nice. Oh, I like that. That's not the one I thought it was going to be. It's not some, uh, yeah, crazy out-of-the-box MA-rated <laughs> picture, but it's, yeah, I like, and the reason I brought this up is because, um, quick pitch, like you, it looks like you're obviously, maybe you're in front of a, in front of an audience here and you, and yeah, you have to sell something real quick. You have to think fast. You have to structure your, what you're going to say. Yeah. Maybe run us through the audience. We're curious to know. So actually that is a picture of my friend's quick pitch. So one of my really good friends, shout out to Shiv. He's probably not watching this, but hi, if you are. Um, so quick pitch is something that they do in LA, San Fran and San Diego. And that year they kind of combine them. And it's basically like, everybody's probably seen shark tank. It's like a shark tank version. So you had to pitch right. your company and in front of these investors and there was an audience and then the winner would get a big check, um, to support their, their venture. So my friend was, um, doing quick pitch. He won two out of three of the pitches. So he got a lot of money for his company. His company is really, really amazing. And so I was just going to support and took a picture um, of the stage. So where the picture is, that's where the stage would be. And that's where he presented his pitch. <clears throat> that is awesome. That is, that is, uh, that, that, that deserves a round of applause. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Uh, and when's it your turn to do a quick pitch? When are you, when are you <laughs> gonna be on the stage? That's coming soon. So coming after we soon. launch, we are starting to then go into seed rounds and talk to investors. But currently, we need to be launched and have certain data points um, in an Excel, of course, that the, we can present to investors to show them that it's a good thing to invest in. So that's in probably before the end of the year, we'll be ready to start taking on investors into our venture. And what's the process behind that? So uh, is it you need to basically, yeah, you have to pitch these investors and they, and if they're interested in you, they'll might lend you some money. Uh, is that the gist of it? Is that how it works? Um, each one is different <clears throat> and it depends. So there's like angel investors, there's VCs, and then there's just investors. Um, I know a little bit more than I should at this stage because I've had friends go through this process. Um, so, and there's also accelerators, right? So accelerators, for example, Airbnb went through an accelerator. Um, I want to say Limpod went through an accelerator. And so basically they give you a bunch of money and training and help you to build up your business and scale with a lot more strength than you would regularly, right? Because you have the finances, you have the contacts and everything else. Um, it's not as easy as just walking up and being like, Hey, I have an app invest, right? Cause we're talking about, you know, six figures, seven figures, sometimes more, mm. um, so usually there is, you know, very uh, detailed terms of agreement where you either give them equity, so you give them part of your company, or you pay back, right? Um, and so you have to pay them back within a certain term or pay back, you know, if you're selling a product, like 20 cents of the 
every sale will go back to payback until it's paid back, right? With a cap of five years or something like that. But basically you want a warm intro to investors um, because investors get emails and pitches all the time. So a warm intro is the best way to go that they can talk and say, hey, I vouched for this person. I think it's a really good idea. And then they'll sit down with you and ask you like the hard questions, right? Like why, why is your company good? It's not like talking with your friends. It's not like, oh yeah, this is great. And they're like, oh, it's gonna succeed. It's gonna be great. They're like, no, no, I wanna see like numbers. Like, is this actually gonna make money? And when can I get my money back is like the biggest question that they have, right? Like where am, when am I gonna get my return or just the, the money? When am I going to get my money back? Yeah, okay, that's all about the, ROI. It's all about the. It's all about the money. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, do they invest in the person? I'm sure. Surely they invest in the person. They invest in the personality, as well. A huge, uh, a huge percentage is so. Like, if you look at like Shark Tank, sometimes they've just done it because they want that entrepreneur and they have grit and they have you know what it takes and the creativity. So a huge percentage is because. You know, it's like in business, you're going to bed with these people in a way, like, and even worse than like a relationship, like a relationship, like you can get divorced and just split up assets. But with a business, yeah. especially if a business is thriving, like let's say you have a couple million dollar business to, to divvy that up, it becomes very, very complicated. So you want to make sure that you actually, that they understand you, they understand your core values, your company's core values, and that they match up, right? Like I would never take an investor on that's into you know, oil and big fuel and fracking and all this kind of stuff. My companies are all based about sustainability, conservation, preservation, all of this kind of stuff. Um, so it would be a really terrible match because I know that I would be pushed to create money, cut corners and do things that are out of alignment with me as a person, but also out of alignment with the company that I'm trying to build. Okay. And I'm going to ask you a serious question here. Uh, do you prefer coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. Oh, coffee. Hands because down. That, yeah, because that kind of rolls into the next area in your life, hospitality. Uh, so you, you, how many coffees are you, are you drinking per day? Six, seven, eight, nine? Well, I'm down to a big cup, which is about like that big, um, which is about two cups, two and a half cups of coffee. And enough um, to, enough to, to feed a small African nation at the moment yeah, or, um, okay. Yeah. So, but, you know, back in the day when I was really like in college, I remember they had a coffee pot right in front of my desk. So it was just so tempting because it's like, you know, the gurgle sound and the smell of coffee and you're like working and it's five o'clock and you're like, damn it, I have four more hours to go. So at that point I was drinking about eight cups of coffee a day and then I had to kind of cut back and like I quit twice cold turkey uh, and that was <laughs> miserable, uh, but just to regain and like kind of rebalance that addiction because, you know, coffee is a social, socially accepted addiction. It's an addiction. So um, I definitely have it. My name is Alexandria and I'm a coffee addict. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. We all forgive you. We all, uh, we all support you. It's actually, uh, I think it's the one addiction that I support as well. Uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm a Christian Christian buddy, and I, I'm a I'm a also a coffee addict. Um, welcome, welcome. <laughs> uh, how do you have your coffee? I take it with now with coconut milk because it turns oh. out that dairy has not been kind to me, um, and a little bit of honey. All right. By the uh, way, I got a milk frother, game changer. Everyone, game changer. if you drink coffee or even tea, like get a milk frother. It's just a whole other level of mornings all right i'll uh, i'll keep that in mind uh so you're not into the pods you're not into like any auto automatic uh coffee maker or it's all it's all has to be like uh okay you you're a, you're an instant you pour you you pour the powder into the in no okay not so explain to me i, I don't know <laughs> um so and this is actually it's interesting one of my friends was like uh we're getting to know each other he's like what is the best cup of coffee you've ever had? And I was like, the one that I have every morning. And he's like, now I'm curious, how do you make your coffee? And I'm like, I make it in a French press and I explain the process. And he goes, actually, there was a study and that's actually how you make the perfect cup of coffee. So French press, the thing is, there is like this oil on top of coffee that forms, which has like all the flavor and like a, a bit of the caffeine. So when you use pods, when you use um, pour overs, anything like that, that has 
uh, like cloth in between to filter the coffee, all of that oil stays in the filter. And so you right. don't get that like flavor in the cup. But if you use metal, so they have metal pods, they have metal uh, pour overs, and then French press is always metal. And so that just helps like all of that oil and goodness go into your cup that you can actually drink it. So it's actually like the purest form to drink coffee and it's the best um, way to make coffee. So that's how I do it. No instant for me. All right, damn. Uh, I'll have to throw my instant out. All right. Uh, that's that's, that's yeah, cool. Please. Uh, moving into the next area of the top of, uh, the talk here, time blocking. Uh, uh, yeah, I've, uh, what is this time blocking that you talk of? Is it? Well, you do it in Excel. Um, okay. All right. Back to Excel. All right. All right. So, so many times as entrepreneurs, we are like, oh my gosh, we have freedom. I can do whatever I want. Anarchy. And like, I went through that phase. Everybody goes through that phase, right? But really to have control over your business and like see growth, you need to set a schedule. So the most efficient way is, or that I found is time blocking. And so basically it's not like, okay, at 5.08, I'm going to do this. And at 5.10, I'm gonna do this. It's more so, okay, I'm going to give myself every Thursday two hours to work on admin tasks, whatever that ends up being. I'm going to give myself four hours on Tuesday to work on my app and code my app, right? And so what you do is you create blocks of time, right? And then you block out lunch, you block out breaks um, to do to sit down and do and only focus on that task. Another way to do it is Pomodoro or tomato timers. And that will give you, you can um, modify the timer, but usually it's 20 minutes. And so you do 20 minutes. Absolutely, like they say no music, no social media, nothing else open just focusing on that task and then you have a five minute break after that timer goes off and it actually makes you more efficient because in society now we're so used to multitasking so we're listening to music while on social media while finishing something right but if you actually just focused for 20 minutes sometimes you can get done more in that period of time than you can all day between phone calls or people coming into the office or emails that you get caught up in and things like that so um that's what basically the gist of it time blocking is. Yeah, I was listening to this uh, this other podcast uh, by Lex Friedman. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but he has this uh, productivity guru on his, on his show. And yeah, he talks about uh, context switching is the biggest killer of productivity. So yeah, whenever we're focused on a task, maybe it's on the computer doing something, maybe it's writing our beautiful Excel spreadsheet. And if we get a, a notification on our phone, that's a, that's one context switch. So the time that it takes to context switch again, we've already lost that concentration. So yeah. I just thought that was pretty cool and I thought I'd just bring it up. Uh, but yeah, um, speaking of concentration, are you into meditation at all? I am, but I do active meditation. So there's like a whole. Oh, spectrum. that's not med that's not meditation. No, that's that's not meditation. meditation. And so many people think that it's like you have to like sit staring at a corner and like with your arms crossed and absolutely you're like it is and like humming. Yeah, there's actually many forms of meditation. So okay. swimming can be Enl meditation. enlighten me. Enlighten me. <clears throat> I so you have to hum and look at your third eye. Um, <laughs> So there's like, it's called active meditation. So like if you're, you go for a run or you go for a walk. Um, so it's focusing on one thing, like there's breath meditations, right? My former partner, he would do mini meditations. So literally he would have a timer on his phone and it would go off and he would just close his eyes and for 10 seconds, just focus on his breath. And it's like an instant reset, right? So it doesn't have to be these like, I meditate for four hours until I see Buddha kind of things, right? And that's why a lot of people are polarized or can't do meditation or think they're failing at meditation, right? So I do meditation in that way because I'm just a very active person mentally and physically. So when I'm running, I have my music on, but then it allows me to like kind of unwind everything that's going on in my head and just like focus on what I'm doing. And so it does become a meditation. But cool. yeah, I rarely sit down and like meditate, meditate, like, like Buddha kind of thing. Yeah, just a, just a bit of background. Yeah, I am an absolute insane person when it comes to meditation. I must do my meditation in the morning. 
And I don't do it all the time. I'm not super strict, but uh, yeah, not nine out of ten times I'm trying to do meditation. And yeah, it's just about detach. It's just about because as soon as I wake up, yeah, you've got things, you've got checklists to do, you've got whatever to do. And uh, I just like to detach and just go back to the essence of nothing and just go back to, hey, I'm just going to go back to a place where I'm just uh, relaxed. And I think if you come into the world back, and then if you re-enter the world back with this relaxed feeling, uh, things just don't stress you out as much and you just you have a, a zen about you. So that's my two cents on that. A hundred percent. And I noticed like when I am good, I did like a couple of challenges of like 45 days meditation, like every day, like a 10 minute meditation. I will listen to like audio meditations. Like I love Alan Watts. I love Abraham Hicks. Um, And I notice when I'm like in a good groove of meditation and then I stop and I'm like, wait, something's just off. Like I feel like more frazzled, but what's happening? And then I'm like, oh, I haven't meditated today. Yeah, I can. Uh, yeah, it gets like that. It's it's like overwhelming. I'm sure you feel over over the the feeling of overwhelm before, where you you, you feel like there's no there's not enough time in the day, and you feel like your yeah. checklist is is growing. And but I think uh, I think ultimately it's it's just the the savage or uh, what am I trying to say? It's it's the um the the mind i don't know what word to use it's it, it's just the mind eating it's it's just the mind consuming itself and uh we kind of paint a picture we kind of paint this false picture um of reality when yeah but it's it kind of ties into the hustle mentality as well so good old monkey mind always monkey mind yeah that's it that's monkey mind yes yeah so uh and cool. Can we talk about the hustle thing real quick? I just I want yeah, to definitely. Yeah, the spot. Yeah, absolutely. The spot. The spotlight's on you. Because I um, and even in the states, my group friend group is all about hustle and grind, and you're gonna work for sure. it. And I get that, and that can prove effective sometimes, but not as more when you flow. And so, and I know. People are probably rolling their eyes like, oh, my God, another one of these chicks that's just like, let's just flow. But if you actually look at the definitions in the dictionary, hustle is usually like an an ill intention. Like you're getting hustled out of something. They're hustling. They're trying to do something in a shady way. And then grind is literally like when you think of your car, like grinding its gears. It's just forcing and pushing something in a negative way. So if we then think about how are we talking about grind and hustle with entrepreneurship and like wearing this as a badge of pride when we're bringing that into our lives versus flow is to move with intention and current. And so it's focused intention and current. And so it's like a river will always flow to the ocean, right? It doesn't need to hustle. It doesn't need to grind to get through the mountain. It just flows, right? So if we could bring that more into our day-to-day and when we talk about our business and our company and our work, right? Because it just has such a, uh, I'm going to go woo-woo here real quick, Uh, like a heavy energy to it, right? Like it's like when people are like, I got to hustle, I got to grind. I'm like, ew. Yeah, it's like, like even when you say it, it's like you tense, right? But instead if you flow and people are like, no, it's just so free-flowing, like with no intention, with no, you know, focus. And it's like, no, if you have a focus and a goal, it's more effective, even if it's baby steps towards that goal with clarity, than to just hustle and grind just aimlessly about. So, yeah, I agree. Stuff. I agree with you one hundred and ten percent on that. On that note, yeah. When I I, I used to have this blog uh, years years ago, and well, actually, I still have it. But um, yeah, I was of that when I first started it. I'm like, I got to write as many articles as I can do, and and I just got to keep going, keep going, keep going. And what I found is with me, I burnt out pretty mm-hmm. fast and I resented the work. I hated the work because I was, uh, yeah, I was forcing myself to keep going back and it wasn't good. And now, yeah, that, that hustle mentality, I think, you, I think you need to take parts of that hustle mentality and kind of work out how it best fits your life. But, yeah, the grind is, is definitely... Uh, not good. No. It's not good. And nah. we're leading like this whole, like all millennials, right? And unfortunately, I'm a millennial too. Um, 
we're, we're having, we're seeing this huge amount of people who are getting burnt out and entrepreneurs themselves, they're burning themselves out because it's this culture of we have to grind and we have to hustle and we have to work for 12 hours and like our dream, we have to like keep on chasing it. And it's like, but why can't you just arrive very yeah, right. gently with yeah. flow, right? Why, why does it have to be forced? And if we're talking like, again, more woo-woo, right? That whole feminine and masculine, like masculine is very forcing hustle grind and a feminine energy is more flow so there is a happy medium there that you have to find and yeah, find the happy for medium. yourself yeah. um, that that works more efficiently than hustling and grinding and forcing yourself to do something right like if your car is not going into first gear you don't force it you like go back into neutral for a little bit and then you try if not you're going to ruin your transmission right so we're ruining our transmissions um, by trying to keep this up and it's not sustainable yeah, it's not sustainable. My car just broke down recently as well. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit sad as well. But, uh, no, look, I, I, I'm good. I've recovered. I'm, I'm recovered now. But, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing that that bit of hustle. I think I'm going to have to turn that into a YouTube clip because that's definitely a good message to put out. That, uh, But are you saying uh, what about working hard? What about what about meeting deadlines? That's. I mean, yeah, I guess you're right because you have to have that balance. You have to have that. Uh, yeah, you still have to meet deadlines and you still have to get shit done. Yeah, and uh, what I say is with, like, being an event planner for so long, we always have this structure and timeline for events. And, like, I'll meet up with clients and they'll be like, we want to hire you, right? And I'll be like, okay, well, you know, what's your timeline? With Oh, no, we just want the event to flow. And I'm always like... What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that doesn't work, okay? Like, it... it, 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 it it flows because there's a structure, right? And so, so many people are so polarized by structure and operations and framework. But when you think about it, back to that river analogy, a river flows because it has a bank to hold it in, right? It follows the river bank, right? So same with yeah. flow. There's still a structure, there's still deadlines, there's still a format that you follow. But then once all of that is in place, then you can flow, right? With intention, with direction, and with clarity to the right place where you need to lead, whether that's the ocean to join another stream or anything else. So in business, it's not that I'm going to wake up and like, oh my gosh, I didn't feel like working this morning. So I'm just going to flow and like meditate. That's not what it is. It's like, okay, I have my schedule. So I know that, you know what? I actually have a buffer time of 30 minutes this morning. So if I wanted to roll over and go back to sleep, I can do that and then wake up and be ready to check my emails and do everything else that I've time blocked out, right? Does that make sense? Mm. And with the time blocking, is this something that you're doing at the start of the day or you've got this all ready to go at the start of the week? Or I have you it all scheduled. Let me see if I can actually pull it up. So I actually plan quarterly, right? So I plan three months on, three months off. Uh, sorry, three months on, one month off. And the time blocking, <clears throat> this is a very old one, but I'll share it because it's not as. Um, so this is what, can you see that? I don't know if you can. Is that visible? On uh, my yeah, do it again. Sorry, do it again. Right there? Uh, yeah, it's coming up now. Okay. So basically, see, it's not like a super rigid. Um, you know, all of this on Sunday, that's social time from 9 until 2. I can do whatever I choose to do, right? Here I have on Monday's free time. That was my day off. Um, so what I do is I have goals, which let me pause the stream because I have a goal that I don't necessarily want to share. But let me sure. find the other one. All right. We respect <laughs> um, privacy here. Yeah. Here we go. So this is the goals, for example, of this year. So you'll be able to see, right? So it's, you know, I, I, I pocket it out, right? So like mind, body, soul, ego, emotion, pocket, financial, passion. So there's different, like, um, I section it off and like, what is a priority for me for this year to accomplish? And then these are my right. big goals. And then I go into like monthly goals and then my schedule um, helps me to achieve that. And it's basically so I say that like I want to 
scale as a person. So many times we get so stuck in our business that we forget to do work on ourselves. We forget Mm. to do work on our relationships. So I've kind of developed this way to like scale myself as a human altogether. Right. So it's like, okay, what do I want to learn? I want to learn to be like more empathetic or I want to learn better communication with my relationships and partners. And so that's one of my goals, right? I want to do, you know, one of my goals was to do a certification. So I did an energy healing certification recently. That was one of my goals. Um, Others are like learning and really getting into crypto. Others are, you know, buying an island. And then others are like getting six figures in my company. And so then I look at it and I break it down and I say, okay, to achieve that, what do I need to do? maybe a little every day or maybe a lot just in one month, right? I just hyper-focus on that. And then I work out a schedule, right? Because then once you have a schedule, you can play around. Like I have two days off a week. It's usually Sunday and Monday because everybody doesn't like Mondays. So just eliminate eliminate them from the equation. Um, And so then those are the days that I like grocery shop, meal plan, go get a massage, hang out with friends and do things that like feed my soul, go to the ocean, go diving, go doing this, that. Um, And so then Tuesday through Saturday, I can hyper-focus on what I need to do to keep my company going. Cool. Thanks for sharing the structure there. And we've got a question. Uh, We've got a question from the live viewer, uh, Stock Omelette. Enjoying the stream, guys. You've got... You guys got any low overhead small business ideas? <laughs> uh, I'm just going to I'm, I'm rapid fire a few a few ideas and then maybe yeah. you can join in, Alex. Uh, so uh, day trading for day trading for uh, crypto. Um, that's just like I don't know. That's just something that's maybe it's sustainable. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it depends on what you're interested in because also you don't want to have a company that you're not passionate about, right? And also it depends on what you define as low overhead because people who are millionaires for them, low overhead is six figures, you know? Um, but there is a lot of options, you know, if you can do like, especially now everything's virtual, like online workshops, things like that. If you're, if you have the knowledge and like the passion behind things, like for me, I could do like, online sustainability workshops right and it's like 25 dollars a pop and if you get 40 people right that's a little bit going it also depends on like what are your need financial needs and goals with this business because there can be things like coaching courses master classes workshops downloads things like that that you can do but they're not going to generate six figures like if you do crypto or something like that it's probably more feasible that you could get to those numbers so I'd say just write out what you're good at, what you're interested in, um, and what you like to like talk about. Like think about like if I were to put you on the spot for five minutes, what can you talk about unprepared, and then see where that direction takes you. Okay. Are you into crypto? I it's on my list. It's on oh, my nice. goals. <laughs> so I have a little bit of Bitcoin. Um, I'm curious. I'm about to get into the Dodge coin because just because I think it's funny. Um, but I definitely want to, I want to learn more stocks, but I'm my, in like two months, I'm going to set up like a study group to actually learn and understand trading and crypto and everything else so that Mm. I can then like properly make good decisions, hopefully in the market, um, and definitely invest a bit. Yeah. The stock market is, yeah, I I think just from my own personal experience, um, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not an expert. This is not a financial uh, disclaimer, this is no financial advice. So don't take this. I'm probably going to lose all your money for you. But yeah, I mean, I, the way I see stocks is, is set and forget. Hold for the long term. Don't don't worry about... I used to always be caught up with short-term gains. Oh, I'm going to make extra bit of money here, extra bit of money there. Yeah, cool. You can do that. Um, but I prefer to be like... Uh, it's like watering a plant. It's like you, you just casually water the plant every day. And then by the by the time you know it, ten years pass, you've got a tree. So that's that's the analogy that I use when it comes to stocks and and crypto and all that. There's so much hype. There's just so much hype, and it's it's overwhelming. It's stressful because I think we're wired to have uh, we want we want quick money. We want we want that dollar straight away. And there's no there's patience doesn't come into it. I think all all great things require patience. So. Yeah, and I echo that about the stocks, and that's kind of what I want to learn because I have 
you know, one company launching about to launch another one. And so like, I don't have time to sit in front of my computer and trade all day, right. uh, even if I had the knowledge. And so for me, I'm looking for something currently that I can educate myself in, set it and forget it. And then in five years be like, oh yeah, remember I have a pile of clash. Let's go to, you know, Tahiti. <laughs> Absolutely. And we've got another question from Stock Omelette. Notice a lot of yoga on the schedule. What would you say the main benefits are for you? Thanks, Tom. Shout out to Stock Omelette for uh, putting a question in. Yes, thank you. Um, so that was my old schedule. That was actually, I was doing my yoga teacher training and people don't know this, but when you sign up, you have to do between 40 and 50 hours of yoga yourself classes during that training in order to get certified. So I had that in a lot because I needed to map it out and calculate it because I was leaving for a trip and I needed to get in the yoga hours so I could graduate. Um, I had a hand injury, have now another one but um so i'm not able a lot of yoga is on your hands so i currently don't do yoga um i do stretching here and there and like some poses when you know something's out of whack i think it's all about balance and slowing down similar to meditation right you can do a yoga meditation um and i was actually having a conversation recently if you do a lot of yoga and like intensely um, and you're not doing it properly you can actually injure yourself so i want to just disclaimer there. Um, you know, I got injured, I tore my hamstrings in doing yoga, doing that amount of yoga in like, I think it was like a month or six weeks, I did like 40 classes. So I was doing like two classes a day, wow. and sometimes three, um, and still balanced, I would still do a yin or a restorative, but I was doing like two, like, you know, a sculpt and a power vinyasa. And my body just was not having it, right? And this is with proper alignment and, you know, checking my anatomy and everything else. Um, so yoga has a lot of benefits. It has a lot of health benefits, especially because we are so stagnant, right? Whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a nine to fiver, you're probably sitting at your desk most of the day, right? And so unless you have a standing desk or like a yoga ball or something like that, that stretching and that mobility, like we're, we're made to be moving. We're made to be, you know, running. Like when we lived in tribes, we could outrun and like follow like big animals to hunt them. So we're not made to be sitting in one posture with our head, like looking at a phone with our neck down, right? So it's more helping your body come back into its natural alignment. And it adds to like just the sustainability of your body, right? That it can keep on supporting you however long you want to do things. Okay. And speaking of when we were in the in the tribal times, we were hunting animals. Is that is that and we were eating animals? Is that something that you're that you're doing at the moment? Are you are you eating eating meat or or you're staying away from meat? <coughs> oh, that's such an interesting and hot topic with me. Um, I am not a vegan. I actually vegan is my safe word. So if I ever say if anyone ever meets me, then I'm saying I am vegan. I'm actually really in trouble, and you need to help me. Um, I grew up in Texas big, big meat eaters down there. Um, my dad is a vet. And so I also look at it as sustainably as possible, right? So yes, I have educated myself. Yes, I have watched all those documentaries about <laughs> in the comments, people, I get it, I hear you. Um, but I would also say, uh, watch the documentary, Biggest Little Farm. It's back on Netflix or on Hulu. It's a great documentary and it teaches about sustainability. So I say that also humans, uh, and since you gave me permission to say things, we need to stop fucking with shit, okay? Basically, that's what happens. Um, we, the world was created in a way or came to be in a way that it self-regulates right? And there's an ecosystem that balances it out, right? So there are predators that eat this, that then, you know, so there's this whole like synergy and symbiosis within the world itself. And every time in humanity, we have put our hands in there and broken that cycle to do it with something else, um, or to replace it because of morality, or because of guilt, or because of whatever it is that we see fit, right? We're disrupting that cycle. Yeah. And so it creates more damage. And yeah. so, you know, I've, I, I talk to, you know, extreme vegans and vegetarians as well. And I'm like, look, monocultives are just as bad as greenhouse gases, 
just as bad as the animal torture. So monoculture. Just, well, and can you can you expand on that that word? What mono? Yeah. What's it called? Monoculture. So <clears throat> monocultures. So before we would do um, pairing planting, right? And so that's something that you'll see more on that documentary if you guys watch it. Right. Um, a monocultive is where basically it's just fields and fields of one crop. Okay. And so what happens is we learned and we know, and like if you go to tribes and things like this and, you know, people who do are into agriculture and have been farmers for many years, you know that you're supposed to rotate crops, right? Because one crop will use more nitrogen or more magnesium or leave more, you know, calcium or whatever it is in the soil. Yep. So each crop and um, vegetable has different um, requirements and needs to grow. So what happens is if you're growing the same crop over and over for years, which is what has happened with monocultos, mono is just one, um, it depletes the soil of its nutrients. So now actually we even have a deficit of all of those vegan foods that people are eating in the packaged goods. They're usually coming from, they're sourced from monocultos. So they don't actually have as much magnesium and calcium. Most of our diets are magnesium deficient because the soil no longer has magnesium to sustain the amount that we actually need to intake. So um, things like that, that people are like, oh, is it because it's bad because of like the animals or whatever it is or whatever reason that you're vegan, right? Or vegetarian, um, there's another side to it, right? And so yeah. looking at like, what is the most sustainable? So I make sure that it's like sustainably sourced like fish or animal or, you know, meat or anything like that. I also eat local to support financially, like the financial sustainability of places. Um, and so I ask the, the questions, right? Because organic doesn't necessarily mean sustainable, right? You can have organic yeah, uh, things that are based on slavery, right? That's not socially sustainable, right? Like, oh yeah, okay, it's good for the environment, but then what, you're, you're destroying people's livelihood and, and their families. So I would just say, look at all sides and always follow the money, right? Like there was a big documentary that caused a huge uproar or game changers, right? Look into who funded that. I'm not going to tell you it's, I'm not going to, you know, I want you guys to do your homework, but that look was the, uh, that. that was pro pro vegan, right? If it I'm was not pro right. Vegan, yeah. Pro vegan. Yeah. yeah. So it was yeah. one of these larger companies that sells uh, fake meat, right? Like one of those uh, plant-based meats. Right. And so they funded and they put a lot of money into this documentary. And if you look at it, like when you look at the documentary, it is very one sided. And most of these documentaries are. And that's not a bad thing. But then I just encourage people to go and look at the other side of the documentary. Mm. Right. So like, OK, that's pro non meat. Right. That's pro vegan. Let's look at something pro meat and then meet in the middle and be like, okay, this makes some sense. We're going to take that data. This makes some sense. We're going to take that data and I'm going to form my own um, opinion on this and stand on this because so many times we're so like quick to arms and uproar. Oh my God, it's so bad to be a meat eater and you're going to hell. And I'm like, wow, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's such a, yeah. Polarizing topic. And yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm a meat eater as well myself. And yeah, it's difficult. It's it's not an easy one. It's not an easy one because there's so many people that are yeah the pro vegans, the aggressive vegans that are in from I'm from Melbourne, Australia. Where they actually there've been incidences where they hold up traffic to to pass their message, which I don't know. I'm not sure if that's if that's the best way, but uh, I mean, yeah, the old argument is that. We we live in a world that we can that we can live off vegetables and and plants and whatnot, and we don't need to kill animals. And um, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's That's hard. It's, it's complicated. It's complicated. Keto dieters. It, it is. I think it's more like there's a saying like to each their own, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, what is it? Don't harm. Don't harm and don't be harmed, or something like that as well. So. I completely agree with these protests and things. They should go for more positive activism, right? Like more of an educational stance because what happens is like I have some of those like militant vegans in my life and like it gets to a point where I'm just like, I'm not talking to you right now. And really what it creates is a polarizing effect. So the first thing you want to do is eat a hamburger and send them a picture of you eating meat because I'm yeah, like, oh yeah, you're going to yell at me. Yeah. Right? 
So I think if they approach the conversation with more of like a curious education, then they would see more of a difference, right? Like, but always bastardizing people. You're terrible because you're doing this. Like I could say the same about people who are vegans. You're terrible because you're, you know what? Soy is terrible for yourself. Monocultives are destroying. Like there's no longer positive like microorganisms and bacteria that we need in our soil just for life to continue again for that ecosystem and that cycle to work that we're completely depleting it so it's almost up there with killing an animal right because in the end we're going to kill ourselves because we're going to kill the food that the animal eats in order to survive and have a happy life um and then kill ourselves you know so i could rant forever i'm i'm a militant carnivore I, i'm on the other side I've, have you ever tried the carnivore diet i actually did um not strict keto but i did um i was going to do a photo shoot and for a diving thing and i was working on like just trimming and slimming down and so i just eliminated carbs and ate like a bunch of veggies and and meat it actually felt really good so um Hello. I think we lost Alex. All right, guys. It's just me and you in this stream right now. Uh, this intimate stream. Uh, let me see if I can get Alex back. Hello. That's unfortunate. All right. Well, I think we lost Alex. I think the vegans might have got 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 into a. I'm gonna wait it out. There we go. I'm so it? sorry. That's, I have no idea what happened. No, nah, that's all good. It's all good. I think I, I, I thought I thought the vegans got you. I thought you know oh, maybe she's been. Yeah, kidnapped by some crazy vegans, jump through your window or something. Like, I don't know. Probably. They're like, she's saying <laughs> she shouldn't be vegan. Um, yeah. But what I was going to say before they cut me off um, was also there's like on top of the morality, it's basically you should do what makes you feel better. So some people, like, for mm. example, my body, my doctor even told me you cannot be vegan or vegetarian. Like your body doesn't respond well to it. And it's really hard for your body to process like raw food. So like right. I actually was on a diet for like six months where I could only have cooked food that like, cooked vegetables um, and protein. And I was not allowed to have like salads. I wasn't allowed to have green juices and it would literally cause me pain to where I would be like up at three o'clock in the morning in tears, like just being like, just kill me like pain. Right. So he's like, your body cannot process that. So so many times we're trying to force people to see things our way or do things our way when maybe their body isn't meant to do that, right? right? Yeah. So like also respecting that and like if you're receiving pressure from carnivores or vegans or whatever side or, you know, whatever humans in your life, right? It shouldn't be sides, you know, also listen to your body. And, you know, I was talking to someone and he's like, I eat smoothies and raw and everything else. And I'm like, and how does your body feel? He's like, oh, my body doesn't really like it but I, I don't want to eat meat, right? And so, like, he goes through issues of his body having trouble. Yeah, that's not right. Because yeah. he, you know, believes it's better. And that's also not sustainable, right? You're causing damage to yourself and your body mm. in the long run versus doing something that maybe you could just find, like, okay, you don't want to eat chickens or meat, then you maybe get a chicken and have a chicken at your house and eat eggs. And that's a yeah. source of protein, right? So there's ways around it to make sure that, you know, if it's like a happy chicken and you know you're taking care of it and you name it and maybe it cuddles with you and you're just eating its eggs, which aren't like harming it, then that's a good option for you, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, I might uh, I might wrap it up uh, just before the angry vegans take over the uh, stream here. Nah, look, uh, respect to everybody. Everyone's got different opinions and everyone's got different philosophies. And yeah, I mean, each to their own. We mentioned that before, each to their own. Um, yeah, but, uh, we've, we've hit the hour mark and yeah, it, it's been lovely speaking with you, Alex. 
And what's the, is there any way that people can connect with you? What's the best way people want to send you <coughs> yeah. some love or send you a message or something? Or a threat from the Or vegans. a threat. Yeah. <laughs> what's um, the best way? So you can probably email me to my personal email, which is info at nomadicplanning.com. Info at nomadicplanning.com. I think I can put it in the chat, right? Oh, no. Uh, um, I'm, I'm spreading it. Is that is that it there? Info. That is it. Yes. Oh, we got it. And Sorry. then if you want to check out my um, new app that is about to launch, fingers crossed, um, you can do that. And it is blackbookseries.com is the other one. Uh, Black book series. All right. Too easy. No worries. Um, that should be coming up. Black book series. All right. No worries. Blackbookseries.com is the oh. website. Oh, that's the website, blackbookseries.com. All right, no worries. Well, um, yeah, thanks, thanks again, and uh, thank hope, you. and uh, yeah, hope you, the audience enjoyed this show, and uh, thank you, thank you for being on it. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure, and thank you, Stock Omelet, for all your questions. I kept it Stock interesting. Omelet. Yeah. Thank Have you, a guys. Day, everybody. See ya. Bye. Bye.